Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 144 of the Corona Diaries. Good morning. Good morning. And you've had a week, haven't you? Already, you've had a week. I have had a bit of a week because, and I'll tell you why... What have I been doing? Um, I'm just going through all the audio from St. John's. Um, ah. Because what I'm hoping to do, um, if I don't get a major technical setback, you never know, but um, bar- barring a major technical setback, I'm going to have um, a Blu-ray ready for Port Zealand of the St. John's show which looks and sounds fantastic. Um, and I'm just going through all the audio and just try, <laughs> trying to tidy it up here and there. Right. Because a, lo- a lot of the P's and B's go and bleh. And um, two or three members of the audience arrived with a hacking coughs and coughed through all the quiet bits. So I'm going, shibidi. All the way through everything. So I've just been trying to minimise some of the uh, the plague in the crowd. Does it sound like a kind of, of a Tourette's kind of style of cough? You know that bit where you get to the end of a sentence and then you go, that kind of thing, is it a bit like that? <laughs> It's just it's just persistent. Persistent. And, and whoever had this tickly cough was obviously trying very hard to control it during the loud bits and then losing it during the quiet bits. Yeah. Um thinking, Oh, I'll have a good cough now, it's gone quiet. You know, and then I'll be all right for five minutes. Right. I think there's I, a bit of that. For future reference, that's probably the wrong way round, isn't it? Hmm. Absolutely. Try and cough when it's loud. Right. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, related to nerves, that when it goes quiet, you're suddenly aware of everything. So you, mm. you cough a bit. Oh, my God, I, ha- I hope I don't cough. I hope I don't cough. I hope I don't cough. That, that kind, kind of, thing. of thing. A bit like me. And I hope I don't drop any bum notes. Right. <laughs> well, they're oh, in good company, then. There's another 55 now. <laughs> in that one line. <laughs> I did. Uh, I don't remember you dropping any bum notes at all on that night. But then you've listened back, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Overall, it was. It was. I can't remember playing better, and I was singing really well. Mm. So um, I think it'll be a really good one. But it's just been a lot of work tidying it up and riding the ambience, man. Mm. It was and a God very special it. night. It was. It was. And the bit at the end with the All You Need Is Love's fantastic with everybody yeah. singing along. So I'm looking forward to getting that out in the world. 
it'll be uh, be great. Yeah. Oh, cool. We but actually... at the same time, sorry, at the same time as I'm doing that, of course, I'm uh, at Racket with the boys rehearsing. Um, and then I've got domestic life. So all, all three of those are all crashing together quite fabulously at the moment. Um, but it's, I'm not complaining. It's fantastic. No. But it's intense at the moment. I've got a lot of balls in the air and then, and then on top of that, I'm getting uh, emails and um, texts from Lucy and Mark Kennedy going, what do you think of these T-shirts for Port Zealand? What do you think of these mugs? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Can you just approve this e-web? Can you just approve this artwork? What do you think of the sleeve for the making of sounds that can't be made? And all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so it's it, balls in the air. Balls in the air. Mm. Yeah. And then I've got Mark Kelly saying, have a word with Ant Short, see if he can get me a good deal on a DI box. Oh, yeah, I've not heard back from Tim. I'll chase him up. Get on his neck. Yeah. Dodgy sod. Yeah, he hasn't. You're right. He hasn't come back to me, has he? I'll chase Tim up. <sighs> Probably thought, oh, no, not that lot. Yeah. Blank him. With a bit yeah. of luck, they'll never, we'll never hear from him again. I'll, I'll, I'll message him again, see what I get back from Tim. Private, private little conversation that everybody. Just a little mental note to me, that. Little um, mental note. Little mental note. Um... In all of this mix, I mean, there's low, loads of stuff to talk about, loads of stuff to talk about, and great news about the about the Blu-ray. Uh, the first thing I was going to say was, because I, I saw his face staring out at me from a web magazine, Oh, um, we must get, we ought to get Tim Sidwell on. Oh, Timothy. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get him on for 150 then, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, Timothy he, would be a good addition, wouldn't he? He would be a fantastic addition. Why on earth have I thought of him? What's the matter with me? I don't know. I don't know. But as we're talking about his work, yeah. um, you know, at the moment, because I'm assuming you're making lots of little notes and sending them back and, and, and Timothy's then tweaking accordingly. Um, yeah. We ought, yeah to, that, we ought to get Timothy on. That will all happen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get that one, that, that one thought through. Does um, he mind you calling him Timothy? I don't know. You did it first. I just carried on. <laughs> yeah. I, I just took your lead. <laughs> He might be okay with you doing it and not like me doing it. Oh, I didn't realise I'd done it. And there are, of course, um, Ronnie Corbett overtones, aren't there? Oh, there are, yeah, with Timothy. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose there are. We need to be a bit careful about that. I know. We're becoming terribly 70s niche. <laughs> we are. I've got we a are. bit of sympathy for the Germans and the Dutch. <laughs> you must wonder what the hell half of this is about. Yeah, yeah. Going on well, about... Quality Street and God knows what the Spangles. God knows what. Uh, yeah. Anyway, a- anyway, we'll try and keep that to a to more of a minimum. Yeah, less of a maximum. Um, Marillion Monthly came out of nowhere this week. It did, didn't it? Yeah, this yeah. is another another of uh, Lucy's little brainchild, child or brain children, not yeah. brainchilds. Do you have brain childs or do you have brain children? I guess you have brain children, don't you? Brain child sounds like a Hendrix track. Brain child. Yeah, but in the plural. Brain child. I'm just, you know, brain children, isn't it? I suppose. Although I've never heard of anybody saying, do you know I had a couple of brain children? No, brain child sounds better. Brain children sounds like the midwich cuckoos or something. It sounds like kids with enormous brain brains, you know, an extended... Uh, skulls. Yeah, big T-fold foreheads. <laughs> no, non, non-stick brain children. 
I think they've moved on to air fryers now. <laughs> Children with big air fryer foreheads. <laughs> any, right, sorry, any, where anyway, were we? Back to brainchilds. Oh, Lucy's oh, yeah, brainchilds. Brain, one of Lucy's brainchildren was the... Um, the 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 thing that just came out. <laughs> That's the episode title. One of Lucy's brainchildren. <laughs> Why am I thinking of Mark? I just don't know. Uh, so yes, yeah, yeah, that came out. That's a a new regular thing we're going to do time to time. Um, little interviews and little bits of, you know. Are you going to be on Still. sort of co-hosting duty in the same way that Mark was for the first one? Then are you going to get roped into that for one an episode? I would have thought so. Yeah, we, she'll probably rotate us around and yeah, whatnot. That'll be a scream. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to be a scream, actually. Yeah, I think it's quite an interesting bunch of characters in, yeah. in their own way. In their own way. Mm. In their own way. We'll find out which one of you loves the camera the most. Mm. 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 Answers on a postcard, folks. I have used to. I've, I've, I've gone off it. Have you? Yeah, I have. As I've aged, I don't love the camera quite so much. I tend to run away screaming as soon as I see anything pointed at me. Well, I've not watched all of Marillion Monthly. I've watched, I've watched bits of it. But the, the, the two words that, that came at me, of the bits that I've watched, were Panzer Tank. Oh, yeah, Panzer Tank. As your kind of, that's your dream winter vehicle. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yes. <laughs> some, some Something exotic for the summer, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and a Panzer Tank for the winter. Oh, God. How does that work when you go into... Brackley Tesco's then on a on a icy morning. You'd just go straight over that roundabout, wouldn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't really have to bother with the traffic lights much, it. would you? Just just keep going. Um, yeah. Everything's going to bounce off that. Yeah. Um, that was probably the rationale after the Chutney experience, the, the near death by near Chutney. Death. Yeah. Uh, I decided I'd be better off with something like that. Although down the back lanes to Racket might be a bit, bit tricky because I'm not sure you'd get a panzer tank down some of those back lanes and even if you did you'd have to drive over a lot of parked cars and vans Um, but isn't that exactly what they're there designed for (laughs) well you could go across open countryside thereby avoiding most of the carnage yeah wrecking a few fences you could literally go the direct you could go as the in a straight drives what through all the houses just just through the whole lot (laughs) Look good on the aerial photograph afterwards. <laughs> that'd stra- be like a straight that chase. line of demolition from our house to wreck it. It'd be like they'd be like the chase, wouldn't it? Be like when they arrested OJ, because you'd be going so slow, <laughs> really slowly, but nobody'd be able to stop me either. <laughs> no, and there'd be all this drone footage of you being chased by a load of police, probably on probably on foot. Yeah. Opening the lid every now and again to look out and going back down. <laughs> I love that idea. I think, I think just to genius. wave two fingers at everybody. <laughs> yeah, put the lid back down. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know I'd said Panzer Tank. I mean, I, you know, you know what I'm like. I did whatever goes through my head comes out through my mouth. 
<laughs> and then it's all gone. <laughs> and only bitter regret remains. What you really need is somebody, not somebody like me, looking out for these things, don't you? <laughs> yes, I, really. I need it. I need it all forgotten and smoothed yeah. over. That's yeah. what, what I need. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Could have that put on my gravestone. Yeah, yeah. Could you I need have my go- life forgotten and smoothed over, please? Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, before we get started, um, hmm. I want a quick shout out to Cliff Lewis. Come on, Cliff Lewis. And the reason we shout out to Cliff Lewis is that Cliff's had a had a, an issue. He's uh, had a heart attack, I think, or he's had some heart issues anyway. And uh, just just a shout out to Cliff to just check he's all right because he's I think his recovery is ongoing and I think he's doing okay. But also the fact that um, when he was in for his first bit of treatment, I think in in the sort of day when he when he was taken ill, they was they were struggling to get his um, his his um, blood rate, not blood rate, you know, blood pressure down. They were struggling right. to get his blood pressure down after whatever they'd done. I think it was stents or something. And um, nothing could be done that was really... And they were getting a little bit concerned about it. And then he popped, he popped TCD on, and it came down about 40 notches. So we're better than drugs. So we are better than drugs. Fantastic. Which I think is, is, is great. But Cliff well, got in touch and has uh, sent us a question for the, um, the sounds that can't be made. Uh, special, which is coming up in a minute, actually, the first part of. If we and, ever get around to it, yeah. Yeah, so I prompted, prompted me to, to shout out and just say, hope it hope the recovery's on track, Cliff. Love it to hear from you. And, yeah, and pl- me too, pleased Cliff. to be of service. <laughs> yeah, please, go please easy, do. Cliff. I hope you're all right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, now then, now then, the hangover mm. from last week was this bit about <laughs> sounds that can't be made, where about That's... the Mike Scott bit. Well, I had a... I had a moment of clarity. Did you? I did. Do, do you want me to tell you where your moment of clarity came from before you explain it? I know exactly what, what the Mike Scott moment is now. Right, okay. It suddenly occurred to me, that, oh, I know what it is. I know what that is. Why didn't I know what it is? Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Well, before you start, I'll just, just to, to name-check him, it, it comes from, or I saw it in an interview that Fraser Marshall did for the web magazine <laughs> around about the time that uh, Sounds was issued. Yeah. And then I'll let you now explain the Mike Scott bit because I was going to quote your words back to you, but you've already managed it, haven't you? I should imagine, yeah, unless I'm, you know, incorrect and I've remembered all wrong. Um, normally, if I if I go into a bit of a rant across the music, Mike calls that Mike Scott stuff. And so it would have been the Aurora Borealis, Shimmer and Green and Blue and Indigo and Violet and Phantom's Half, writing something unreal, realer than everything. You know, just a sort of a, you know, um, what's the best way? Just a sort of a, 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 a scatty rant over the top of music, which I sometimes do um, in the jams or, you know, when the lead vocals are going down, if I've got, a stream of conscience, conscience, a stream of conscience. No, that never happens. A stream of consciousness. Um, then I might just try throwing it in a sort of rapid fire manner. And I think what Mike's referring to is probably the end of whole of the whole of the moon, moon. the old yeah. um, scimitars and scars, every precious stream and vision underneath uh, the flags, rags, ferry boats, all, all, all of that, you know, the, the, the rapid ranty list of stuff that Mike 
trots out the end of Hole of the Moon. I think Mike Hunter is referring to my tendency to occasionally do that. He is exactly doing that, and it was Hole of the Moon that I heard when he said when he made that comment. That was the bit I thought of. Um, you know, trumpets, which is, thousand tenements, wide oceans, full of tears. tears. It's a brilliant lyric, actually. It's an amazing it's, lyric. Um, unbelievable, uh, and particularly because of the way it's delivered, it's so quick. It almost, to a certain extent, it almost diverts your attention from how good the lyrics are. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it is. It's beautiful. fantastic. He's a must be great man. to sing that. Actually, you must enjoy singing that. I do. I do, I do enjoy it. Um, there was a, a slight possibility um, when I did an H Natural in um, Dublin that he'd come over and do it with me. Um, I've got a chum in Dublin, Paul, and he knows Mike, and um, he said, oh, you know, Steve H is doing Hall of the Moon. And he said that Mike had said, oh, yeah, I've been checking him out. Um, I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. And um, he said, well, if the planets ever align, we'll have to do it together. And that would be a crack. Mm. Mm. Oh, that'd be, that'd be, I'd like to be in the room for that. You can't imagine Mike, Mad Mike would turn up He'd probably be a bit like Lewis, you know. Not only would he not turn up on time, he'd probably turn up four days late um, <laughs> in some kind of sharabang full of ne'er-do-wells. Oh, um, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? They'd, oh. they'd all fall out of there. They'd all fall out <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Lewis what was that Tom family here? in Emmerdale? It's that one, isn't it? You know the one I mean, don't you? The Dingles. Every street has one. Every, every um, street has one. <laughs> yeah, but not all of them can sing. But, but I, I imagine Mike would turn up with a, like, you know, sharabang full of full of street violinists <laughs> and uh, Irish soothsayers and whatnot. Um. Three days late. That'd be beautiful on so Wouldn't many it? levels. Yeah, beautiful. I'm sure I'd like to think we'd get on. Anyway, anyway, yeah. let's get yeah. to business. Mm. Let's get to the let's get to the real deal. So, um, and some of you won't know this. Um, if you're a patron, you'll know this. So, we put a call out about a week and a half ago um, for questions for a Sounds That Can't Be Made Q&A special. So if you're not a Purple, um, you may not be aware that we do some extra bits of content every month, and one of those is a Q&A. And normally we take the questions from the stevehogarth.com website, but mm. we put a bit of shout-out and said, oh, can you can you do some specifically Sounds questions, and we'll, we'll make January's Q&A about Sounds. Um, the response has been unbelievable. Nothing at, at all. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I have been because I gave my email address out. I have been inundated with questions. Oh, that'll teach you. That'll learn me. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to we're going to do a few of them today, and then we'll try and do the balance in the bonus bit of content. So, 
Um, for the non-purples, you get a bit of an, an inside kind of look at what we normally do uh, on the on the bonus content, and it also means I can get through far more of them. In a perfect world, I'd like to I'd like to ask every single one because they're all great questions. Um, but we'll get through as many as we can. So I'm going to start today, um, and what will happen is I'll ask a question, H will shrug, and we'll move on to the next one. Sounds about right. That's the plan. That's the plan. Right. First up, we have Peter Davis. Okay. Sounds That Can't Be Made was released to retail on the 17th of September, 2012, with Mm -hmm. a deluxe pre-order versions being received about 10 days before. Cool. Okay. The UK tour started in Cardiff on the 9th, and every night of the tour, which finished on the 17th, opened with Gaza. Given that most of the members of the audience on the tour would not have heard Gaza, did the band consider opening with something other than that track? I don't think we did consider it. I think we were very fired up at that point, um, if you pardon the pun, um, by, you know, we we were in that kind of um, early flush of excitement about Gaza because it, it arrived very, very late to the table as a piece of music uh, in the process. But we all thought it was really special and different to anything we'd done before with all of those sort of Arabic elements in it. Um, and we felt, you know, obviously I felt quite strongly. I think all five of us felt quite strongly about what the words were saying. And so by starting with Gaza, I think we all felt that was our way of saying that if 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 we were to get any flack for writing that song, we certainly weren't ashamed of it and we we weren't we weren't burying it. We weren't sticking it even halfway through the set. We were opening with it as a statement of intent. Um, so I think that, you know, the principle of that very much carried it as an, as an opener. I mean, obviously someone will have said, isn't this going to be a bit much for the punters? But that's not really why we exist. We we don't exist to rattle through the hits or or whatever you know. Not that we've had many, <laughs> but you know what I mean. We're not we are not the Rolling Stones. We we don't very very rarely play Kaylee or or Sugar Mice or Incommunicado or or any of the old stuff, um, because it's just not what we're about. We're, we're we're very focused on the music we've made together. God knows we've made a lot of it. And we'd like to feel we've we've made some pretty strong statements musically and lyrically, and 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 so that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get what excites us. There was probably also a feeling that it would make a great opener, mm. because um, we could create an atmosphere from that long intro of um, of the of the Muezzin. All, all, all the sort of uh, Arabic street noises and the slow build-up to it. Um, so there was never really any... It's a good question. Mm. But 
we're not really the kind of band. I mean, obviously we worry a little bit about... I mean, more often, I mean, many times in the past, I remember a tour we did in America and we opened up in a little gig in Washington, D.C. And we we rolled the sets out and it just died on its ass because we we just don't, you know, we we'd, we were being too self-indulgent. And then there was a, like a crisis meeting at the sound check of the second show. <laughs> Shit, we better shove a lot of stuff in. Um so if it's dying on its ass, then then we do take emergency measures. But you know, other than that, we will we will put a set together based on what we're feeling excited about at the time. And it's not unusual, is it? I mean, if you think about, let's go back to Brave as an example. You know, mm. I mean, obviously, a the album was played in its entirety, which which, and I'll never forget that night. Absolutely fantastic. I was I saw it in Leeds, and it was just unbelievable. But that's a that's a definite statement as well. If you think about how that album starts and what you go into, you know, the there's that you you almost don't come up for breath really until until sort of you know three or four tracks in really, um, and it, so it's not like you haven't got history. Of, that would of, have been a better answer, to be honest. If I'd have just said brave, that would have been a short answer and probably would have. Explained everything that I just rambled about, and the point you made as well, which is the a band that would consider walking onto a stage and playing seventy minutes of not the easiest music um, straight off the bat. Um, when you consider that, then then us going out and starting with Gaza is is, is unsurprising, really. Mm. And also the other thing about Gaza is it's not it's it's a definite start. I mean, would you like to say there's that bit of that bit of sounds and texture at the beginning, and then but when it kicks in, it kicks in. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like the Invisible Man in the sense that you can't stick it mid set. No, you either don't play it or you've got to put it at the top or a, or as a top, you know, at the top of an encore. Mm. You haven't got the option really of just. Oh, I mean, we we could we could chop the whole lot off and just cut straight to the um, you know, it's doable. All these things are doable, but we we we've never felt like doing it yet. I I have to say, for me, it, it's it's we talk, as we talked about last week or week before. It's first track or it first encore track. I think you need that build. Yeah, uh, puts everybody in the right place. But good question, Peter. Good question. Um, right. Oliver Watsky, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. If it if it isn't, I apologise, Oliver. Um, Is he two... with a? He could be Vat Votsky. Ah, Votsky. Good point. Good point. Could be. Yeah, yeah. Could no, be. we'll take that. I'm, I'm actually preferring your pronunciation. Um, uh, two. Here is my two part question. Um, I'd be delighted to learn about some of the working titles for the songs on Sounds and the backstories, of course. So did anything from a working title work its way through and anything that you remember as a working title that still floats in your head even though it got changed? Uh, and then as, a, as the extra bit on there, in general, how does the band choose the final titles of songs? Do they somehow emerge? Is it a group decision? Or is it you raising a rubber sword stating, I solemnly declare that henceforth this song shall carry the following hmm. name? I like that. Now, that would I, be a good YouTube show. I do walk about with a rubber sword permanently raised, to be honest. 
As as an answer to that question goes, Oliver, you've possibly got the best answer of the day. (laughs) Any crazy working Uh, titles you remember? I'm trying to think. uh, So sounds like I mean that named itself because uh, I mean a lot of the songs name themselves really uh, because the title of the song is usually what the song is about for the most part. there, there are the occasional um, songs where I've deliberately gone for not the obvious thing because it was so obvious. Mm. Um, I guess Beautiful's a good example. I mean, the chorus is the leaves turn from red to brown, so you, you could have called it the leaves or red to brown or something like that, but that would have just reminded me of Forever Autumn and I never liked that. Um, you know, as an image, I just yeah. see Justin Hayward with his side parting, which has always bothered me. Um, and so that wasn't an option. So, so, but for the most part, uh, sounds that can't be made was sort of nailed on from day one. Uh, Montreal obviously was, you know, a love song to the city. So, what else would you call it? Uh, Lucky Man sort of named itself. Um, Invisible Egg named itself. So mm-hmm. I don't. There might have been a few. What what tends to happen sometimes is if is if the lyrics are still in development, then then songs are. Um, I'm trying to think what Megan called. I mean, this isn't sounds that can't be made now, but Megan called. What was it he called when I meet God? Oh, I hate to think in Dave's case. I can't remember because it just had a kind of. I think he called it Springsteen or something because it reminded him of some Bruce Springsteen track. So while the whole time we were working on it, it was called Springsteen, which sort of irked me a bit. But um, that they were, it was only ever meant as a working title. So so Dave would just throw another thing. Dave Dave can't spell quiet. So whenever we were jamming, if there was a quiet moment, it, it would be labelled quiet. So we'd go. It so there'd be there'd be um, quite piano idea, uh, which was very endearing, and I always think of, <laughs> I always think of quite piano when I think of of me. Um, but coming back to sounds that can't be made, just just zip through the track list for me. Uh, well, it think starts with a, Gaza. Um, yeah, well, sounds that, that can't be again, made itself. That, yeah, yeah, uh, and then it's. Power and Pour My Love, if, I don't know if it's in that order. Um, Invisible Ink, Montreal, Sky Above the Rain, Lucky Man. That's it, isn't it? Maybe um, Power could have been... That might have That might have been... La- not Power. Uh, Pour My Love might have been labelled Bend Your Head for a while because that's the... Chorus, chorus. Um, so, poor my love. 
That might have had another name as well. It might even have been called Prince, because the... Uh, bang, 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 the... Uh, reminded me of Prince when Mark first trotted it out. I thought, mm. it sounds like Prince somehow. What's he done that... I don't even know which song it is, but it reminded me of something Prince had done, um, either in in real life or I dreamt it. Um, so it reminded me of that, and that might have been Bend Your Head for a while, or it might have been been labelled Prince or something. Um, but I can't think of any other working titles. Most of what's on sounds that can't be made was pretty nailed on from its inception two i can think of that don't seem to relate unless i've misconstrued um born to run yeah well that that's true that was a bit that was a bit playful you know obviously they're talking of springsteen um how can we run from ourselves is, is the last line um and you know it's about being born in a certain place that you 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 kind of know from a very early age you're destined to get away from. Mm. And I always was. I I I was getting out of Doncaster the first chance I got mm. from being a from being really young. Um, I don't know why that was. I think it was just. Uh, romantic notions. I wanted a bigger life. I've said before that my dad used to tell me all these stories of everything he'd seen when he was in the Navy. And so I, I grew up really conscious of this amazing world yeah. that wasn't the world I was living in. And and that made me, that gave me the wanderlust and a desire to get away. I mean, as somebody who grew up, and knows Doncaster from the time that you know Doncaster. Doncaster's a long way away from the horizon. It really is. It really is. Um, and it was quite, um, particularly at that time as well. It it was a it was a violent town. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I've said this before as well. First time I ever went to London when I was about seventeen, and I'm walking around in the big city. And I couldn't believe how safe it felt. Yeah. I couldn't believe that nobody was making eye contact with me in a threatening way because everybody used to in Dunning. Yeah. <laughs> it was walking around London thinking, this is London, this is the big city, this is supposed to be the pl- you know, the gritty the gritty dangerous place and it's a walk in a park compared mm. to Donny. Mm. So it, Doncaster was quite a... It wasn't a me kind of place. No. Oh, no, 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 no. The other one, and it's the same album as well, isn't it? A uh, few words for the dead as well. There's another one that doesn't really... That's true, yeah. We called, well... Well, you know, people sometimes stand up and say, I'd like to say a few words at a, 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 at a funeral. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. and and yeah, that, yeah, few, that, do you know what all makes perfect sense? Now you've said that. Yeah, that that was really the rationale behind that mm. title. Um, so yes to the rubber sword, Oliver. You got that one. You nailed that. <laughs> yes to the rubber sword. I'm I'm, I'm holding it erect even as we <laughs> speak, Oliver. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, because nobody wants a flaccid rubber sword. Um, <laughs> yes to the sword, but most of the song titles pretty much nailed on and fairly, you know, fairly um, obvious to plot where the, the titles came from when you listen to the wider lyric. Yeah. Um, Celia. Celia Steinmeier. Um, oh. On the jewel case of sounds that can't be made, there is a pattern that must have a special meaning. I can only recognise a human being and an M. Is it some kind of hidden message to send into space in case any extraterrestrials being beings find it? Oh, that was the Watson. Yeah, that was the... Uh, what was that called? Oh, my mind. Now, I know, but I can't pronounce it. It begins with A. Well, have a stab and I'll pronounce well, it properly. Well, do you know what? I'll spell it. I've still got it because I I checked this out. That uh, was a- the time capsule thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Sent it was. Up into space. A-R-E-C-I-B-O. Arecibo. I'll, I'll yeah. let you take that one. I th- um, well, I've always pronounced it Arecibo. That doesn't mean it's necessarily right. Um, but that was... Um, I think that was engraved onto uh, some kind of disc and sent up in a rocket or left on the moon or wherever by um, by NASA as an attempt to communicate with if there are any alien life forms out there. Maybe it was on the Voyager the, the Voyager um, mission where where they were sending that um, they were sending that craft that was just going to keep going into deep space, and it was just. Um, Essentially, it was a high-tech message in a bottle mm. that the the great and the good and the smart guys had, had decided they'd, they'd put a lot of thought into. Well, what could explain what could explain human beings to to a non-human? And so they just tried to get the um, just trying to get the the basics out there. I'm, I don't know. I think there might have even been a binary message on there. Because whatever's out there wouldn't have the same numerical system as ours, and they might be more likely to use binary and blah blah blah. So it was um, it was um, it was a message, and hmm. that's that's what that artwork is. It's it's the artwork that was sent up, I think. And that's exactly right. It includes things like basic. Um, idea of humanity in terms of body shape things got the double helix in there there's some chemical stuff in there there's elements of dna in there and mm. so on and so forth and the m is actually a representation of the um the radio telescope um mm. the um you know but i'll i'll put a link from the wikipedia page on the notes um because i thought it was fascinating actually um so good question that so yeah good question they should um, have just put a monkey with a gun to its head that probably represents humanity better than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, true. Unfortunately, true. I um, mean, holding holding its own gun to its own head. I mean, <clears throat> do we? Just a quick question for you. While we're on questions, obviously they're all questions for you. Um, do you want to do diary this week? Well, I don't much mind. I'm happy not to make life easy. Maybe we should have a week with no diary, we, and no podcast. No I'd be, I'd be in heaven. Well, I was going to suggest that. Um, so why don't we crack on then with a few a few questions? Might tell what right. we might do here, just for a second, to give everybody a chance to, to pause. Might put a little bit of incidental music in, one of our little noodles in, just to allow everybody a second. And if you want to go and make a drink halfway through, then now's the time. 
So cue Ooh. incidental music. And we're back. <laughs> now, if that has worked, that'll be a minor miracle because I can't hear your piano. Oh, can you not? Oh, so I was watching your hands. All right. But more your uh, facial expression, <laughs> actually. <laughs> you gave this great facial expression when you'd finished. Oh, uh, I was so proud of myself. Yes. It Never was, mind. It literally, it was a there you go, sunshine, <laughs> kind of kind of facial expression. I've there just knocked that off for you, but but you can't hear it. Bollocks. No, no, it's, it's okay. But it was just nice. It was like, wallop, there you go. Boom. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we're back. We're back. Um. Now, another name I can't pronounce. I'm going to let you have a crack at this because you're great on pronunciations in a way that I'm not. So, Pat, that bit I can do. Yeah, I was going to say I can help you with Pat, but uh, yeah, carry on. Pat. So, surname, M-R-I-Z-E-K. Oh, I know this. Do you? Mrzek. Right. It might even be Mirzek. 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 Oh, I like that. Could be Mirzek. Mirzek. Anyway, okay. it's in Let's that area because he once he once even told me how to pronounce it. He sent right. me a message. Of course, I've forgotten. Right. Well, you didn't know that his question was coming up next. No. No. Well, is it um, all right I'm, if we call you Pat? Pat? Yeah, let's call you Pat. <laughs> I've been wondering about something regarding my favourite Marillion song from the past decade or so, "The Sky Above the Rain," specifically the "Maybe They'll Talk" bit where H hits the G on the album, but changes it when playing with the friends from the orchestra version. Mm. I understand dropping a note to save the voice for later and for the record. There's a big, strong note that hits with similar force to to look at myself on somewhere else. But you guys radically changed the arrangement at this point on the friends version as well. And he was curious about why. Not a complaint, just curious. I had reservations about how that end section had turned out, um, I think it, I just felt like it just went bash, 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 yang, 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 yang for ages. Um, and I, I always felt from the word, you know, from the word go, really, when, when we put sounds that can't be made out, the, the, the end... The very end of Sky Above the Rain was, um, it was insistent and it just never let up. And so when when we came to to play the song again with the the quartet, um, I wondered if there was any way we could just drop it right down into something that's more introspective um, musically. Um, and Mike, Mike jumped on that, and 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 came back and and with a with an arrangement, a a string arrangement that he'd written, and said, "Well, what if it just drops right down?" Um, and I thought that was really beautiful. Now the key of it is probably related to the intensity of it. If if it's in the gods, there's no point in me trying to scream through it so i think we might have just dropped it to reflect the mood yeah. slightly i uh, hope that 
answers your question, Pat. And that often happens, doesn't it? When people do acoustic versions of songs, or the, the two things they often do is slow them down and slightly drop the pitch, don't they? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, quite often, if you're... I mean, if I'm singing something at the piano, I mean, some songs are fine in their original keys, and some some just feel... Um, like I'd have to be singing too loud or, or 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 on the edge of a scream to do them in the original key and, and they just sound more soulful, knocked down a little bit. Then you can sing them in another way. Mm. And that increases the, the the possibility of giving them another feeling. Um because each key has its own feeling. To quote um Nigel Tufnell, E minor, the saddest of all keys. <laughs> you know, you know, when you said that, I'd forgotten about Spinal Tap, and I didn't know where you were going with that. And I thought, oh, it's going to be Cohen, or it's going to be, and, and, and then it's Nigel Tufnell, isn't it? Of course, it's that lick my love pump moment, isn't it? It is. I never said it, but you did. I can't, I, uh, how can you not say it? It's, 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 it's that film is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. And if you if you've ever been in a band, you you'll you'll know just how close to the truth most of those moments in that film, no matter how stupid, uh, have usually already happened to you more than once. The, my favourite moment in Spinal Tap is the bit where they meet the guy in the in the foyer. Um, mm. who's the big star, and they were reminiscing about the fact when he opened for them back in the day, and they and, <laughs> and they say he was terrible, he was awful, they hated him. They were still booing him while we were on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that line is fantastic. <laughs> they were still booing him while we were on while stage. We were on, that's fantastic, yeah. It's genius writing. It oh, really absolutely is. genius. Absolutely genius. So there's your answer, Pat. And if you haven't seen Spinal Tap, go and watch Spinal Tap. Um, well yeah. worth a rewatch. Oh, I wish I'd remembered that. I'd have mentioned it to Harry Payne. I said, hey, Harry, they were still booing you while we were on. <laughs> that would have amused him. Yes. Well, save that one. for An opportunity will arise. <laughs> Bound to. Right, Tracy Lloyd, power. I didn't fully get this until I saw the footage from a Sunday night above the rain when it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, Wondering if the level of emotion you delivered uh, was in your mind when you wrote it or whether that was something you conjured up uh, for the sake of a great performance. Not for the sake of, but as part of a great performance, I guess. Oh, um, absolutely, when I wrote it. It was written... uh... It was written as a, a song of heartbreak, really, in so many ways. Um, so, yeah, abso- ab- absolutely. Those those words are literally about um, someone you adore from afar. Hmm. Is, it a, is it a bit of a... Is it a song that... That's got a, a you know is is beyond you a similar sort of because there's a yeah. desperation in both those lyrics, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, 
Okay. They all they all sort of sprung from the same well stream. Yeah. So Grope does a lot of songs about unrequited love that I've I've sung, and, and many of them came from the same place. Yeah. I heard somebody say something on the radio yesterday. What was it she said? She said the. It got, I think it went something someone had said in the nineteenth century or something. But the the what was it? That love, the pleasure of love is fleeting, but the pain of love lasts a lifetime. And I thought that was quite hitting the nail on the head, mm. really. Mm. Descriptive <laughs> and depressing at the same time. <laughs> what she's saying is it's 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 not better to have loved and lost. <laughs> it's better to have not loved at all. <laughs> he didn't mean it. He was full of shit. Who was it who said that? Was it Byron or something? Shelley and whoever said it, they were full of he shit. He had a big shirt on. Never believe a man in a big shirt. <laughs> Never believe a man in a big shirt. That could be an episode title Abs- as well. Absolutely. Steer clear. Steer clear of the new romantics. Yes. yes. And the old and the ones. old ones as well. Yes. Don't go anywhere near Simon the Bomb. Um, <laughs> or me. Or you. Uh, <laughs> in that or order. the guy in Spandau Ballet. Um, but on Tracy's question, you've also said that when you perform live, you go back to the place you were in when you wrote it anyway. Always, yeah. So the other way of answering that, I guess, is is that, isn't it? That actually, it you know, that place, when it was written... It was always going to have that effect when you performed it. Yeah, you've got to go back to where they come from um, if you're to mean them, and you've got to mean them if you're to, if if you're to sing them well. Um, and the closer you can get to being in being in that place you were when you wrote the words, the better it'll be. Um, I have to really watch myself, especially on a on a long tour. It's very, very difficult not to um. You can all you can almost relive the emotions nightly, like um. Like telling the same joke mm. night after night because it everything becomes habit when you're playing again, you know, and you're playing night after night after night or or the same song over and over again. It's easy to get into the habit of doing the same things, giving it the same, in, you know, making the same introduction to it. Lifting, you know, lifting one arm in a certain direction at a certain moment, and th- those things are all all become automatic. So you've really got to watch yourself and make sure that you mean it when you sing it, because if you don't, it's you know the the it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, it just looks like somebody. Being insincere, um, because what you would do one night in all sincerity will look totally insincere the next night if you do it again and you, you know, you you're not meaning it. Um, you just got to keep an eye on yourself. 
So my my job is to try and 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 trot out the truth. And there's more to truth than words. There's there's truth in the moment. And so you've got to be in that place, or you might as well not bother. But then that's incredibly draining. It is draining, um, but, you know, it's better than digging coal. No, 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 I get that. I get that. Uh. It is. I mean, there's, there is a there is a difficult aspect to doing what I do. It's actually a very dangerous job. I mean, you've only got to look at the trail of dead people <laughs> that have done what I do. <laughs> Every time another one bites the dust, I say to Lynetta, See, it's a very dangerous job I've got, darling. More dangerous than it looks. Just to have um, interest, what so do you it, get back from Lynetta when you mention that? <laughs> oh, usually I roll. Maybe the well, first time you said it, maybe it had some impact. <laughs> that's what I get from about just anything. about everything I say to her, really. Mm. You know how that is. Mm. Have you ever watched Stage? <laughs> no. I watched Have I Got News for You last night about that MP that got done for watching porn in the House of Commons. And oh, the tractor apparently, one. Yeah, yeah, apparently he wrote, he wrote to his wife and said, I'm sorry you married a fucking idiot. And... Uh, Richard Ioadi pointed out that was a bit of an evergreen as far as men and women are concerned. Yeah, probably about right. Yeah, There's a wonderful thing in stage, if you've never watched it, it's well worth watching, um, when you see, because obviously it's David Tennant and his, and his real-life wife on screen, and the way she looks at him and when she talks about him <laughs> off screen is just beautiful. And it's exactly the way that Alison talks about me and looks at me, uh, and, and I imagine yeah. it's exactly the same with you and the letter. Yeah, what, what, what's the cliche? Behind every great man stands a woman looking on in amazement. So there we go, Tracy. <laughs> there was a question at the beginning of that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, what was it? Uh, oh, this, Scott, yeah, return, returning to where I wrote power from, yeah, and, and it, it is a very raw lyric, that. It's, well, it's a good one. Mm. Good one. Mm. Um, it's about the uh, it's about the power of love, as uh, but I, I'd like to think I made a slightly better stab at it than Huey Lewis. Yeah, but he got it in Back to the Future, so that really financially that that worked that worked out so or much Frankie better. Goes to Hol- or Frankie goes to Hollywood. Well, that one worked out so much better as well, and Jennifer Rush. Mm. Well, it just goes to show I'm obviously missing something, mm. but never, never mind. mind. Adam Burton. Uh, thinking of the massively important Gaza, but also taking into account songs like Out of This World and Ocean Cloud uh, and Easter, now that I think about it, uh, how do you regard your penchant for setting events contemporary and historical to song? Was it an evolution, a result of happy uh, accidental brushes with remarkable lives, or is there some kind of deeper intent uh, to imbue your work with uh, not only emotional truth, but real-world events? Hmm. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna say anything true, you've only got your own emotions and and your own reflections on on the world 
to draw from, and so you're going to write about the world. And it, I'm, I'm someone who's, I mean, I, I'm not one of these people who gets up in the morning and writes a few words, you know, before I do anything, because, um, because I'm a writer. Um, I'm I'm quite the opposite. Sometimes I don't write for a very very long time. And when I do write anything, it's it usually springs from injustice, either a perceived injustice to myself, um, not necessarily a deliberate one, but just something that hurts, um, or something I see or I'm aware of out in the world that just doesn't seem right. Um, and so I think it's inevitable that, that I'll write about the world. Also, Marillion tend to create big soundscapes when they're writing music. And so... I guess uh, I, I guess to marry them with big themes is just the natural thing to do. Um, I mean, in the case of Out of This World, I just, that literally was four or five words scribbled in a, on the back of a beer mat or a, in a diary. I can't remember where it was on a little slip of paper. That was just a memory of uh, of watching the news when the when the bluebird crashed, and it was it was just it was almost nothing. And then one one day the band were were, were playing that big lush, and it took me there, and I, and so I dug it out and tried it, and then developed it from from there. And I think John Helmer, when John Helmer first wrote, first sent the lyric through for Runaway, I don't know if I've spilled this before, in his Runaway lyric, it had the line at the end, only love will turn you round. And I never used it. And I thought it was quite powerful. And so I'd... I took that from from John's runaway lyric and threw it in out of this world. Um, so I'd started with a recollection from what I'd seen on the news when I was a kid, and my mum, my mum in tears and everything, and you know the great British hero, uh, making the ultimate sacrifice in the in the name of something. I don't know what what what. What he sacrificed himself in the name of, trying to live up to his dad, probably, and sort out his bank balance. But um, it goes from that to a kind of fictional reflection on 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 the the women who must must live with great men. Um, you know the mountaineer people who put themselves in danger the the formula 1 racing driver's wife and the the mountaineer and the high wire walker um whether metaphorical or actual there's usually a partner involved in that 
Because women are drawn to great men. They're drawn to them, but then they have to live with them. Um, and so I was reflecting a little bit on that. You know, I know the pain of too much tenderness, um, which I think was nicked from Albert Camus as well. Writer, I think it's something he'd said. Um, so, so they're collages, really, but I, but I write from injustice, and that's where Gaza came from, and it's also where power came from, I guess. Um, a perceived injustice on yourself from the heavens. Mm. Um, inspires me, and and the band the band create these huge sort of textures and atmospheres and soundscapes, and it, it gives you a lot of room mm. to manoeuvre with these things. Ocean Cloud was originally written about a guy called Tony Bollymore, who was cast adrift in the um, the South. You know, down by Australia, South Pacific, I think, and it was up. He, he, he managed to live in an upturned boat in the air pocket, and they managed to get him out. And I started off writing about him, uh, and then Dave Megan said, "Have you heard about this guy Don Allen who rode across the Atlantic in both directions?" And I said, "No." He said, "Well, nobody seems to have," but. Um, you know, it, it, it's an incredible feat that sort of went unnoticed at the time because he wasn't posh. Mm. You know, if he'd been posh, if he'd have been an ex-Etonian, it would have been all over everywhere. Even if he, even if he failed, you know, um, the great British posh failures tend to be more famous than the working-class successes. Well, how many times did we watch that bloody balloon trying to get into space? Well, there we are. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Dave told me about. I'm digressing. Dave told me about um, Don Allen, and we started collecting together news clippings and whatever we could. Uh, and and in the end, we got hold of Don's family, and they came down to Par Street. I remember them. I think his brother came down to the studio. And um, you know, we were, I was p picking his brains really about what Don was like, and trying to get a feeling for him. Um, and the song became about Don. So sometimes the song starts off about one one thing and becomes about another as it's worked on. You know, it takes you somewhere. It takes you on a journey itself. You have a you have a starting point, and then. Sometimes the music takes you somewhere else. Sometimes just the process of recording it takes you somewhere else. Um, I never really... I don't like to analyse too much no. the process in case... In, in case uh, well, I think it's unlikely that I'll find out how it's done anyway. Because <laughs> I... I have no idea. The injustice thing's interesting. 
particularly in the context of um i guess i guess fear probably as well there's a there's a lot of injustice runs through lyrics on fear yeah i mean i i guess i try I'm, i don't know if i try do i try do i try not to go over and over the same old ground i, I think it's inevitable if you're if you're dealing in truth. Yes, but a lot of it's implied. That's the point. I don't think you do go over the same ground because a lot of it's implied. It was a, Fear was a bit more on the nose, wasn't it? But, I mean, I was really railing against yes. against Englishness and what yes. I thought that was and, and, and what I slowly realised it was and how I'd been duped, really, yeah. by, by a myth, the myth of Englishness and a decent, decent English... But, you know, it's, 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 they've been saying lately, haven't they, that um, we don't have a constitution because there was always this understanding that, that, that we would be governed by decent chaps. Yeah, gentlemen play by the rules. Who, who did the right thing and mm. didn't tell fibs in the House of Commons. Then we had Boris. <laughs> we realised that <laughs> perhaps perhaps we need a, a, a slightly heftier set of rules than, than, than they're working to. Yeah. But, I mean, if you take a song like, look, Sierra, Le- Sierra Leone's about injustice. Yes, Sierra Leone is 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 essentially about um, claiming yourself mm. from a, s- a system which is there to subjugate you um, and being able to impose your own will on your life or your destiny. Um but you're when describing you ne- the one in a million. When you example. never ever have been able to. Yeah. Uh, when it's denied you, when it's denied, and it is denied the poor, and it's denied the oppressed, it's, de- it's denied people that don't happen to have the right colour skin or people that haven't been at the right school. And, you know, it's, so it's about dignity, I guess, Sierra Leone. And it's a mad premise. I mean, the the idea of finding a diamond as big as your hand that you then refuse to sell when you're poor and it could give you everything is an interesting... I don't know where it came from. It was just something buzzing around my head one morning. That, that that's, that's interesting. The, the fact that your self-will, the will not to part with it, is more valuable to you than ever than the than everything it could give you in monetary terms um i was reading a joni mitchell lyric actually just an hour ago uh called lakota which is about the lakota native american indians and the fact that they refused to sell their land and they they've been you know, they've been offered money for it for hundreds of years and offered more and more and more and more and more for it. And, of course, they've been driven off it anyway, um, repeatedly. But the Native Americans refused to sell the land whilst being made increasingly astronomical offers of money for them. 
and the um I guess the guys who were offering them the money couldn't quite grasp the fact that for certain indigenous people, the same with the Aborigines, the land isn't theirs to sell and it isn't yours to buy. I mean, the whole notion of land ownership is criminal in the first place. Criminal, first of all, and then second of all, utterly stupid. Mm. How can you own a piece of land when when you live for 90 years, if you're lucky, and the land is there for billions? It's it's snake oil, all of it. It's just um, it's just a con that was concocted by 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 very very clever bastards. <laughs> but what's interesting about Sierra Leone? I know we 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 straying massively, but mm, sorry, get, oh, no, no, no. no, no, it's fine because I guess maybe the I should do a, whole, do a song about land ownership. I guess the whole this the this whole mindset thing that actually. At the point when the mindset shifts, then the the methodology of control starts to crumble. After that, it then becomes about force and oppression and all these kind of things. But once the mindset's gone, once you've stopped allowing yourself to be controlled in that way, then it's only a matter of time before the wall comes down. Yes, yeah. some people on the front line may lose their lives as part of that process, and that's but that's the that's the end game. Well, look at what's happening in Russia hmm. right now. People, there must be, there must be a majority of those people who think this is a shit show. But I can, what can I do or say? Because they'll come round, you know. There'll be a knock on the door while I'm asleep. Look at poor old Navalny. They're gonna, they're gonna probably kill him. He's a very, very brave man. Mm. I mean, I was thinking of Iran as well, but there comes a point where, you know, yeah, absolutely, the, mind, the mindset shifts. You push past past that point. And then it is just a question of time, um, yeah. you know. And and Sierra Leone kind of in, encapsulates that on an individual level. Mm. Something's it's, changed, and it's about slavery as well. Yeah, um, you know, it, it doesn't spell it out, but it's to some extent it's a song in in inspired by, and and certainly I was very conscious the whole time I was writing it. Of what had happened there, and um, and how there was a there's a gate. Is it called the King's Gate? That they came, that the freed slaves came back through after they've been freed and returned to uh, what, of course, is now Freetown. So Freetown is the capital of Sierra Leone, but Freetown is also a metaphor for um, for this. This, the man I'm talking about, yeah. you know, walking free in Freetown. Freetown is in his mind, but it's also where he is. So, um, yeah. And it's a very uplifting moment in the song as well. Yeah, yeah it is. Walking mm. free. One one last question. Just sneak this in, because I'm conscious of being, we've been going uh, quite a while. Mark Griffith. Um, because it relates to a little bit to the last one. Uh, my question is this. Both Gaza and Easter make reference to poems by W.B. Yeats, uh, Easter 1916 and The Second Coming. Was this a deliberate link uh, to, to link the two songs together, or is it literally just because uh, Yeats is a genius? Yeah, it's because Yeats is a genius. Um, um, he's 
my favourite poet, really. Um, and when I when I read the Second Coming when I was seventeen, it gave me um, a sort of romantic or a mythical idea of the desert um, and of Egypt, I guess, and the pyramids and Cairo and um, the Middle East, I suppose. Um, what rough beast it's our come round at last slapped just towards Bethlehem to be born, um, which a lot of people thought was Yeats's um, you know, a portent for, for Nazism. Um, I think, I think, uh, uh, when he was right, when he, when he wrote the second coming, he was conscious of the rise of fascism and it was his way of addressing that. So I can't think about the Sphinx really without imagining it slowly getting up, you know, moving its, stretching its haunches and wandering off um, to herald the apocalypse. Um, so it was the, that apocalyptic thing, really. It's like a nightmare. Rose up from this small strip of land slouching towards Bethlehem. So it was a little bit playful. It was a little bit of a playful nod to, to the great poet. But of course, Bethlehem's on the West Bank and, um, and is oppressed. All of that. Mm. Um, well, we will stop there. We are... send, send some money to Hope Flowers School, folks. If you get a chance, send them a tenner. Send, send, send ten quid to... Hope Flowers, which is a a peace building school for damaged kids in Bethlehem. Um, they need all the help they can get. Um, we'll come back. We've got loads more questions to go. We'll we'll now put the balance of the questions in in a a, a purple Q and A format and get those okay. out. We m- might be a bit late. You've had a hell of a week. So we we are running a little behind. So we, we but we'll get to as many of them as we can. There are hundreds, and thank you everybody for coming. Some great questions in that, even just in that first, you know, um, first lot of questions. Some fantastic stuff there, and we'll get through as many of the others as we can. Um, and I guess I'll see you next time. Yeah, all that stuff in Montreal happened as well. You know, the, the... are we going to get to Montreal? To go I've got questions about, about Montreal. Okay, well, I look forward to wandering through that one with you all. Yes, Alison Warner, Richard Wigley, they've sent questions on Montreal. We'll get to Montreal as well very, very soon. Okay, well, that was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hope I made sense in between all the uhs and the ums. <laughs> Leaving that bit blank so people can make their own mind up. <laughs> See you next week, but I won't. <laughs> no new piece this.
Aurora Borealis Shimmering green and blue Indigo and violent Like phantoms half-imagined Something unreal But realer than everything Like seeing all the planets love Floating in the air Caressing you every day If only we could hear that Sounds that can't be made Sounds that can't be made Now it ain't just in your mind, babe It's inside you Dig it out Only love can stop you from merely existing. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.